Hello and welcome to Changes. This is a podcast all about change and my name is Annie McManus. This episode is sponsored by Oatly, which I'm pretty jazzed about, to be honest, because I drink so much oat drinks and I don't touch cow's milk and haven't for a while, thanks to how much I enjoy drinking Oatly uh, products. So yeah, I'm pretty gassed about that. Got into their ice cream recently as well. Oatly have launched a campaign called Help Dad, a guide to help dads quit dairy. So it's designed to encourage conversations and discussions between different generations about dairy consumption, plant-based diets, and how basically everything that we eat and drink can affect the environment. They've done loads of research around this, and one of the biggest takeaways is that men over 45 are the least likely to make changes and adopt a plant-based diet. Kind of get stuck in their ways at a certain point. And I thought it would be really interesting for this podcast to kind of target a man who is over 45 and has really embraced change and flexibility in his life and how he lives. He's an all-time music legend. His name is Bez. So today's guest, Bez, uh, real name Mark Berry. You will probably know him for his dance moves and maraca playing as part of the band Happy Mondays. He was also a member of Black Grape and is a big part of the Manchester music scene. <laughs> Hello, baby. <laughs> Bobby. <laughs> Go on, Get downstairs. Bobby, did he get downstairs? Go on. <laughs> he keeps jump. He keeps jumping on the mic. What are you doing? I'm just recording my intro and outro of the podcast. Yeah, I did. I did. Can you close the door, please? Sorry, that was a little cameo from my youngest son. There, he's off school at the moment and pretty excited about it. So yeah, you'll probably know him for his dance moves and maraca playing as part of the band Happy Mondays. I mean, it, it, you should not underestimate the significance of Bez in that thing. It's easy to kind of poo-poo him as just like, you know, the guy on the stage that danced with the maracas. But Bez really fe- felt like, you know, from the outside, the heart and soul of that band, the kind of glue that bound them all together. And, and also just kind of, the manifestation of of the spirit of rave at the time um i could get all intellectual about it but i won't but just to say like he was such an important part of that whole scene um he's done everything since then from making music with a tribe and drinking a witch doctor's brew in panama for a reality show called singing in the rainforest to winning celebrity big brother in 2005 he's had um, a roller coaster ride relationship with money he's been bankrupt twice uh, all his winnings from celebrity big brother went to a tax bill um he got into politics in 2015 he stood as a candidate for the Salford and Eccles constituency in the UK general election and in January this year during the current lockdown uh, Bez began producing online fitness content on YouTube under the title Buzzing with Bez. Think Joe Wicks but more relatable in terms of, of, of how he was looking and feeling and how we related to that. So It was really, really great to get some time with him. In the episode, we discuss so much. We get a real insight into what he was like as a kid, um, to the family that he has now. Also, just how he feels about the environment and his diet and how he lives so close to nature and how that has really just enhanced and enriched his life in every way, from, you know, beekeeping to uh, sustainability uh, to so much more. So, yeah, delighted for you to hear this conversation. It was a pleasure Enter the podcast, Bez. 
Bez, hello and welcome to Changes. Yeah, that, thank you for having us, Anne. Nice to speak to you. You're a legend. I'm so chuffed that you've taken the time. I'm honestly, I'm, I'm well chuffed to have time with you. So thank you. Nice one, no props. And you brought Yoko the dog. Yeah, Yoko the dog's here. Yeah, yeah, she's behaving herself I have to, I have to describe moment. it for the people who can't see. So you're sat in front of a lovely big fireplace and you've got this what type of dog is it? I'm so sorry I'm bad with dogs it's a miniature dachshund there you go miniature dachshund gorgeous little or dog or a sausage dog <laughs> yeah sat yeah. sat in Bez's arms being cuddled very happily hey have you done your training today already uh, no I, I've not had time to do it yet I've got my young son staying with me I've been making sure he does his homeschooling and everything else at the moment Bez being a homeschool teacher is something <laughs> I would really like to see. Yeah. <laughs> How are you getting on with that? It's great. He's because he's quite a bright, clever lad. Anyway, yeah. he don't need much, much encouragement. He just gets on with it himself. Obviously, he classes me as a dummy. because <laughs> I can't do anything. <laughs> so, how old is he? He's twelve. He's my youngest one. Yeah, yeah and yeah. you have another one then, do you? I've got a, a older boy who's twenty nine. Another one who's yeah. 27. I've got Leo yeah. who's 12. And I've got a grandson as well who's eight. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He, call wow. me, he calls me Grandad Bez. <laughs> of course he does. <laughs> <laughs> Grandad Bez. I love it. Hey, Bez, how's your memory? Uh, well, you know what? It's improving because um, over the last seven years, I've taken like lots of steps to want to improve my health. Because uh, I juice every day for the last seven years. I also uh, distill all my water and um, use zero water jugs as well to purify my water. And because I drink four pints of water a day. Wow. And have you found since you've started like purifying your water that's changed you in any way? Well, everyone always says I look healthier. Yeah, yeah. So, Bez, let's go back a bit then and kind of start start at the start with you because there's you know this podcast is about change you've made a lot of big changes in your life but what would you say is the biggest change that you went through as a kid well i, I remember uh, one of the first ones uh big massive changes in my life i once when i first started uh, no infant school at break you could buy crisp uh, all sorts of little snacks at a little tuck shop and my mum gave me some money and said to me uh you got to buy crisp and nothing else with this money. So I said, all right, great. So I went off to school. C- come uh, break time, it's time to go to the tuck shop to buy your stuff. And um, I didn't have enough money for the crisp. And the teacher was trying to explain me to, to me that uh, you haven't got enough money for these crisps. And I said, no, no. My mum said to buy crisp with this money and nothing else, you know what I mean? And she was going... And she's trying to explain to me how I haven't got enough money and I can have that, this or that or the other. And I say, no, my mum said I'm going to buy Chris with this money and nothing else. And uh, she tried taking the Chris from me. So I bit, I bit her hand, the teacher's hand. Right. And that was my first like, time I, uh, no, I got in trouble with an authoritarian regime. And it... Uh, yeah, and it, I remember it clearly it's like it happened yesterday, you know, still today, you know what I mean? Because it, it was that traumatic for me. And because uh, I was that young at the time as well, I was all sat in the, the classroom with everyone else and the teacher had run off to the headmaster 
and they're all saying to me, oh, you're going to get the cane. And I was like sat there imagining about the cane. I was imagining being put behind the cage and everyone throwing rotten fruit and veg at you, you know what I mean? In my yeah, mind, yeah, I yeah. didn't even know what the cane was, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so we're like... And and that uh, was, like, possibly one of the biggest changes in my life, you know, on a, on a, on a foratorium level, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it really, like, petrified me, scared me. I didn't know what was happening. All, all I knew was I got sold to by Chris... That was probably one of the, the steps to uh, major change in my life. You were born in Bolton, right? Yeah, in uh, 1964. I can't remember the name of the hospital. My dad was a policeman. He used to live in uh, Salford. Uh, and for some reason, I was born in Bolton. But which is part of uh, now Greater Manchester. Yeah. And how? what are your memories of, of kind of early life? Can you remember anything about those kind of first five years of your life? Yeah, well, I obviously... Um, I used to get in a lot of trouble as a youngster. I, yeah, I was quite mischievous. I once was found on the East Lanks Road in me in me pedal cars, pedalling up the East Lanks Road to me nana's. <laughs> one of my neighbours found me. So I was always getting in that sort of mischievous trouble, you know what I mean? Yeah. Did you have brothers and sisters? I had a, I've got a sister who's uh, Michaela. She's uh, 18 months younger than me. Yeah. And she's also really uh, highly intelligent. So for some reason, the intelligence genes didn't hit me, but I don't know why. <laughs> but have you ever been diagnosed with anything? Like, you know, if you say you were a problem child, a lot of kids who are problem childs end up having ADHD or, you know what I mean? Like they've got problems focusing. Yeah, well, well when I was a kid, they didn't, these are all new right. things what have come along in recent years. Yeah. So, so I may have done and I may not have done, but it wasn't too much of a problem for me. You know what yeah. I mean? I, I've... I've I've got over it now. And you and I'm a, I'm just a problem adult now. <laughs> and so so did you have a close relationship with your grandparents then? If you were pedalling up the road to them? Yeah yeah. Uh, what had the one nana me uh me up nana and granddad yeah and I used to love them both. Yeah. When they died, it was a big loss in yeah. because I no like you do you you love your grandparents don't you? Well I did anyway. Yeah. And d is it right that you moved you moved in with your grandparents when you were sixteen? Yeah, I did for a while. But, um, yeah, I think it was too much for him to cope because we can imagine 16-year-old teenager. Mm. And I was always in and out of trouble at that time of my life mm. as well. And what about your dad? He was a policeman. How was he? Did, how did he react to your behaviour? Well, yeah, well, obviously he didn't react good to it because... Uh, but the nice thing about it with my dad is since apologised to me... Has he? And they said, yeah, yeah, because we, we've had this thing and I get on so well with my parents now because uh, he said I just didn't realise my character, no, yeah. the character I was. And uh, obviously it was quite a strong character as a kid as well, you know what I mean? Mm. And, uh, yeah, we get on fantastically now, but obviously at the time with him being a policeman and he's like your typical 70s cop, hard-drinking, so... Yeah. We had all that going on as well. But like I say, he's since apologised for not, not understanding yeah. me. And, uh, yeah, it's, we get on great. That's lovely. That's lovely. And what type of woman uh, was your mum? Well, she, um, she'd done all, all the usual jobs. She was a telephone receptionist for a while. Then she was uh, at, works at the hospitals, as a children's hospital, doing like uh, nursing. Yeah. And basically, mostly a, a, a housewife. Mm -hmm. 
looking looking after us all. Were you in a state of um, like were you wanting? Did you ever feel like you were wanting as a kid? Like you both both parents had decent jobs. Yeah, well, I I was brought up. I had to work for everything. Right. You know what I mean? And I curse. And you think, well, because everyone else was getting like. But I, if I wanted something, I had to work right. for it. Even if I got a, a push bike uh, or a bike, I had to buy it myself okay. and pay it back, you know, through uh, my wages I was earning. So, uh, yeah, I was made to work for my pocket money, everything, you know what I mean? I've got that, I've got that ethic drummed into me as a kid. Yeah. And it wasn't tight, but the, the, the other old-fashioned value and view to life Slightly Victorian, I always thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what have you like? What have your parents like? And your experience of growing up? How has that um, reflected in you as a parent? Like, what have you brought any of that, or have you willfully said, "I don't want to do it this way"? Like, how? how yeah. You... Well, obviously, um, I, I, I've done my parenting style in my own way. You know what I mean? Mm. One thing I do regret is financially, I'm always giving. You know what I mean? Where I should have been a bit more stricter. Right. But in other areas, I think I've done it right. Yeah, that's probably a reaction to your upbringing, isn't it? You'd probably yeah, be probably, like, listen, you know take I mean? all but, the money. Yeah, Yeah, but I realised it was, wasn't was a bad thing now, you know what I mean? But because I've gone down this route while I've gone, it's a bit late now, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's always like I, I, I give too easily. Yeah. I, I should have been a bit more stricter with, I think. Yeah. Um, it's hard to kind of ask you even to start talking about the, the kind of midsection of your life because it, it like it, it must have just it must just feel like such a whirlwind now to you looking back on it, does it? Yeah, well, you know what is what I always say is um, no because we live in this state of awareness. Yeah, and when you live in this state of awareness, you get polar opposites. But through through all the experience they have, I've learned from it. You know what I mean? I gained experience which what his life is about. So whether it's good or bad, it, I always view it as being good because through that experience, I've gained knowledge. Some have been extreme on both sides of the border as well with the lows and the highs yeah. as well. So Yeah. Can you talk us through the extremes, like obviously that you're comfortable with talking about, the highest point and the lowest point for you that you'll kind of remember of that time? Well, the, 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 one of the highest points, obviously, is when I first joined the band. It was, again, one of the, these nights I'd gone along to uh, to watch Happy Mondays play. Uh, Sean, Sean was one of my good, good friends and all that. The rest of the band had gone to... we all gone to the same school. So I'd gone along to watch this um, Happy Mondays support New Order, and it was a tube at the time, and they were playing at the Hacienda, and during that day, me and Sean had got ourselves into a right old state. And uh, come, come time for him to come in on stage, Sean turned around to me and, uh, you know, he, he needed moral support. He said, Bez, you're going to have to come on stage with me. I said, get lost, yeah. I know. And uh, <laughs> under a protest, and, he's, and obviously he goaded me into going on stage with him, saying, if you don't, you're right, soft, so-and-so. I eventually reluctantly so agreed to go on stage and what I'd done, I'd picked up a pair of maracas, jumped on stage and, and you've got to believe what state of mind I was in, you know what I mean? Jumped on stage and started shaking me maracas like mad and dancing, doing me dance what I do. 
And from that moment on, uh, the next day, the funny thing was that uh, some girl said to Sean, oh, that was really nice of you, letting the, that boy on stage with special needs. <laughs> <laughs> and that was me shaking me maracas, dancing in me, uh, you know, in that particular way I did at the time. And uh, it was actually Tony Wilson who, who said to Sean and the band that I should become a permanent member of the band. That night I went to bed and actually laughed myself to sleep because it's like the first time ever in my life I'd ever been on stage and it was such a high and a buzz for me. I couldn't stop laughing. I actually literally laughed myself to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And that was the beginning of a very happy like time of you just being like the life and the soul, like the spiritual mascot of the whole band. Like Yeah. And well, like you say, it's uh, 35 years later now and uh, I can't believe that I'm still getting away with it, for one. <laughs> and uh, still still involved in the band after all those years. It's just like yeah. incredible journey. Yeah. OK, and then what about the low point? Well, the lowest point for me ever is um, when I split up with Black Grape. It was horrendous for me, you know what I mean? Because um, when you're in a band, it's like being in a marriage, you know what I mean? And the emotional trauma... I'd upset that I went through uh, through that breakup. I've never felt pain like it. It was so, like, ripped my heart out. I, I, I couldn't explain the trauma, what I went through at the time. Nobody's ever been paid for Black Grape, uh, not even Sean. It was like our biggest, highest-selling band. Uh, we sold more records than uh, the Happy Mondays. It was a major runaway success. And not one of us have received a penny from it, from Black wow. Grape. It was like a horrendous experience. And the great thing about it, though, for me is um, I, I was at home and I was going through this, like, unbelievable, like, suffering. And uh, the nicest thing that happened at that time, that Joe Strummer turned up on my door. I'm like, wow, you know, I couldn't believe it. Like, one of my childhood heroes is come to me in my time of need and give me, uh, you know, all the support what I needed at that particular time. And that was, like, uh, the start of a great friendship as well, you know what I mean? He knew exactly what I was going through. And that yeah. was, like, the most amazing thing of that whole experience. So that was, like, from extreme lows to, like, an amazing support from this, like cult figurehead of a, a of a movement to come to your door and offer you his friendship and support that was amazing as well so yeah. it's a mixture of, of them both like a proper yin and yang moment yeah. in life yeah 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 So, Kate, you mentioned at the top of the of the conversation about change. This podcast is sponsored by Oatly and they've been doing this thing about... Well, you're in your 50s, right? How old are you? I'm 56 now. 56. So they, they've been doing thing, uh, like a, a kind of study about men in their 50s and um, they've discovered that men are, it's no big surprise, in their 50s, way more reluctant to change. Like just don't, fixed in their ways, stuck in their ways. And Yeah, yeah. Uh, I call it a fixed view of the world. Yeah, yeah. Why do you yeah, think that uh, is? Uh, because um, they've gone through life. It's due to social engineering, social conditioning, 
and a, a lot of people uh, have to work a nine to five job, and so they've had the uh, the, the sort of the will taken from them to, to make this change because they've been got gone through such an engineering to be of a certain way. Mm. And the problem with being in the fifties as well, it's such a dangerous age for for men in particular because uh, a lot of people die in the fifties. You know what I mean? I I've been. Just this week, last this month alone, to three different funerals. You know what I mean? God, I'm and, sorry. Uh, wow. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's a terrible. I I call it the danger years for men. Wow. And why is it so dangerous at this decade? Because what is life finally well, catching because, up with you? Um, like I say, due to engineering, like uh, I've had friends commit suicide. Right. Uh, people die from cancer, uh, and it's it's because in the fifties you you. Are expected to be, you know, at the pinnacle of your career, successful man. Yeah. All these expectations upon a fifty-year-old, what where you're supposed to be in life through uh, the engineering we've been brought up with to, mm. and the conditioning we go through. That 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 is the expectation what people have. These it might be changing now for the younger younger lot because we've got this. Um, digital age what everyone lives in yeah which i don't like because the digital age stops you from doing things because uh, you just get caught up in this digital world and you don't actually do anything you know what i mean mm. yeah because mm. I, I i like doing me I, i've always been a doer mm. let's talk more about like your reactions to that change so you get to your 50s what did you have some sort of an epiphany where you're like i want to kind of transform my life or was that was it something that kind of was a gradual thing for you well, I'm always looking for change in my life. I ne- I never stop. You know what I mean. Um, uh, one of the biggest th- things what I've done recently, what's uh, brought me great change in my life, which really helped me out. Uh, well, you know how everybody's into these shamanic journeys at the moment, right? But I I did one. And it's called a vision quest, right? And what you do, you go out into the wilderness for four days and four nights. And you're fasting, so you're just drinking water. I drank a gallon of pure water every day whilst I was out on this uh, finger. So you're out in the wilderness, on your own, no contact with anybody. Mm-hmm. And you do this, it's a form of self-psychology. So you're sending your old self to the, in the direction of the west to your death. The right. south, you're dealing with all your issues from childhood yeah. right to the present day. The north, you're bringing uh, responsibility and discipline into your life. Yeah. And and, uh, and you're reborn on the, the final morning in the east. So it's like I mean, a that's all that very you... well and good to say that, but how on earth does it work? Like, what are you doing just sitting on a rock? Like, No, no, no. You're, you're, you're fasting. You're, you're doing uh, all this self-psychology stuff whilst you're so, through So there. do you have questions pre-planned that you ask yourself and... Try and yeah, you figure you out it in your head. Yeah, and right. got, and it, honestly, it sounds mad, but it it was the most profound thing what I've ever done. What's made a massive change wow. in, in my life because you're dealing with your issues. What you got? Because a lot of people just uh, bottle up your issues. So sure. I was able to change my diet from doing it. The fellow uh, lives quite nearby to so where I am. He does it, and I, I I always go out and see how he's doing, and he's always got other people on the fishing quest with me. They've had uh, post-traumatic distress disorders. Wow. They've managed to cure themselves of that out there. Yeah. 
So it, it's a it's a powerful tool of the mind. So would you say that's one of the biggest changes that that's kind of happened in your in your adult life recently in terms of yeah in in, in, mod, in this this life at the moment yeah. as as I live in it right now and I became a vegetarian for for twelve months because I eat only organic food anyway. Right. Well, tell me about that because that when reading about you know you at recent times it feels like sustainability is a big part of what you do now. Or how you live. Well, uh, that's that's what I believe in. Is um, I believe that if you take more better care of your own, own well-being, and not everyone can do it. I know I'm lucky where I live, yeah. so I grow some of my own food. Because one of my biggest problems at the moment is sugar. Yeah. And how do you how do you deal with that? Do you cut it out or? Well, the last two weeks, because I've been doing the fitness thing. Yeah. I've actually uh, made a great effort to try and cut it out. Talking about buzzing with bears, like, you, you know, you mentioned that there. This is a big thing that you've decided to do. And um, I've seen a lot of people picking up on it. And, and people seem to really like it because it's you. And you're not some, you know, I mean, not yet, some like super hench toned, like Joe Wicks type character. You're just very relatable. How have you found the reaction to you doing this, putting yourself out publicly, trying to get fit? Yeah, no, I've had a, a good response to it. Yeah. I never expected like it to become the animal it's become. Yeah. So before you made this like decision to do this, like how were you? Were you in like? Did you feel? How did you feel basically? Yeah, no, I I I I'd let myself go because um, right normally because of my job with the Happy Mondays, mm. I, I usually do a some uh, aerobic workout somewhere. On st- yeah, on stage. On stage, yeah, yeah, an hour and a yeah. half, and because uh, the last twelve months, well, we've, I've done nothing. I couldn't believe the weight I put on. Right. Yeah. Well, that was the motivation behind it. Um, so talking about change in terms of eating, like you've obviously been very flexible and open in terms of your attitudes to food and attitude to changing that. I think of Mida, who doesn't eat takeaways and has never eaten takeaways and is so fixed in what he eats. And I think that's kind of a common thing in older men. Why do you think it is that men are kind of so determined to to do the meat and two veg thing um, and, and not deviate from that of a certain age, that is? Yeah, yeah. Well, people get stuck in a routine and um, when you get to 56 and you've lived your life in a certain way, and a lot of men are dependent on, on the women as well to feed them, so the wives and that. Then you get a lot of single mm. men who, who go for convenience, like the fish and shit, the t- uh, takeaway. You're not so interested in making change when you get to that age, you know what I mean? You you get stuck in your ways and... Uh, you come a bit of a fixer mildew type character, you know, bit grumpy, oh, oh, and you and you and you're happy stuck in your in your your life circle, what you built for yourself. You're not looking to make change. You don't bloody care. You've got a bit grumpy, <laughs> and uh, I think that's a big problem. You know, it's what funny, I mean? isn't it? There's a youthfulness, I think, to to being up for change. I, I associate that kind of thing with people who are older, that stuck in your ways thing. And I'd, you've got this spirit about you where you, I feel like you're still really young, you know, in terms of in, in here and, and you're open to anything. Well, I, I think I, that's a really healthy uh, thing. Because I've set myself, because uh, I want to live a ripe old age with, with all my faculties about me, you know what I mean? So I consider myself, I, I've not even yeah. got to my halfway stage in life yet for the age I've set myself to, to, yeah. to live, you know what I mean? I've still... 
in the throes of my youth. I love that, Bez. That makes me feel good about being 42. <laughs> well, I can let you into a little secret. Life actually begins at 50. Amazing. My life's got better when I got to 50. I can tell yeah. you that for nothing. I'm, I've got something to look forward to then. Yeah, That's yeah. good news. <laughs> yeah, you've got, you've got plenty of time yet. <laughs> wanted to ask you about the change that you made in your life when you went to go and live in a commune well that that came about because um it came about through all sorts of things anyway but uh decided that i was going to give up all worldly possessions because what can you take off a man who's got nothing and i decided uh i met all these welsh aristocratic hippies at glastonbury right and i got invited to uh this is quite a long time ago now to, to a meeting of the welsh tribes to talk about the revolution. So <laughs> I just... <laughs> what revolution? Well, that's what I mean. So I went along to this meeting and mm-hmm. they live in all these uh, community things in yurts and all that. And I ended up poo-pooing the, all the ideas and laughing at the time. Right. Later on in life, I ended up going joining them in these communes and that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then I decided I need to set up a Mancunian outpost. I still kind of live that way. I've got a few friends living with me. Yeah, but doing it in a Mancunian style because I, I, I do like the occasional party as well. I like mm. to get the decks out, the campfire going. Yeah. So what was the revolution you were fighting? Well, I, I wanted to make change because I was saying certain things in life should be free and no, nobody got that right. bit of me, me politics, like free food, free public transport. No, everything should be free. And, yeah. and what what you do is work on a contribution to, to a lifestyle. And so everybody does a certain amount of hours each week to contribute to having certain things free in life. One of the things I did do, I went and planted a 33 orchard yeah. in the middle of Salford to show how uh, food could be free, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, hopefully in the future, after I long gone, them trees will still be there uh, mm. providing apples to people. Mm. Hey, Bez, tell me about bees, please, and your love of bees and when that all began. Yeah, well, um, I love I love, I love bees because I love buzzing. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it's got to be no, said, it's got to be said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, no we, well, I got, I got into honey as a young child with my granddad. And when he came back from the war, one of the things he brought back with him was two huge tins of honey. And so wow. it's been a massive part of my childhood, having honey in my tea, honey on yeah. my cereals. And uh, so so through that, I decided that I wanted to keep bees myself. And another thing I was doing as well, what I, I tried doing, I was putting bees into schools as well. Wow. And I started putting uh, beehives in school, providing all the suits. But then I got a thing through the door like, about that bit, yeah. about health and safety. And I thought, right. oh, God, I, I don't do health and safety. <laughs> <laughs> this is coming so from the man thought, who you got a bad you got a bad reaction from bees, didn't you, when you left your flies open one day? I saw a video oh, of that yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. No, Incredible. That, that was one of the, the worst beekeeping moments. Uh, <laughs> it was the first harvest uh, of, no, of the honey. Yeah. I took loads of friends down there. So I had a big audience watching the 
know, this great occasion where I was getting the the, the bounty the of yeah. yeah, yeah, and rookie mistake. I left me fly open on the uh, <laughs> pants, and I will never ever make that mistake ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I bet your friends were kind of torn between wanting to help you and not being able yeah, to stop no, laughing. It, was, it, it it's brought a, no a lot of amusement, and it was all caught on film as well, which was yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, like the salt in the wound. Really, people <laughs> could rewind it and keep watching. <laughs> and listen, tell me what what have you learned about the world? You know, since you've been keeping bees, what has it taught you? Well, the one of the problems that we've got at the moment is uh, no pesticides. What are going to kill off the bee population? And with the um, Wi-Fi, they they get the bees confused as well. They can't get find a way, or uh... it's killing off the populations as well. But we're all guilty using Wi-Fi. I'm sat here using it now. You know what I mean? Yeah. I believe in a, an organic approach. I think we need to go back to an old style of farming where you've got a lot of small holding farmers doing different things, yeah. you know what I mean? And also creating urban yeah. farms, doing things like that. You have beehives, don't you? Or, or, do, or do you keep beehives on top of print works in Manchester? Yeah, well, uh, they asked me to come along. Yeah. And now the, the people of the print works look after the, the their bee population themselves, you know what I mean? Right. So I, I got them introduced up there. Yeah. And through that introduction, everybody who works at the print works, there's loads of different businesses, mm. have all now got involved. But we've planted uh, wildflower meadows up, up there. There was growing vegetables up there. It was keeping chickens up there for a while. Yeah. But they took on the whole whole idea, you know, of uh, that that sustainable inner city living, and the honey, what these inner city bees make, yeah. are absolutely unbelievable. My dad's a beekeeper. Is he? Yeah. Yeah, and whenever we get sick, like you know, like a chest infection or anything, or like cough or anything, or flu, he's just like, have a spoon of honey there, as if like that is your medicine. But it, I'm I'm sure it works. Like it does, it works as well as any other cough medicine. I, I always do a, a thing called a, a, a flu buster. So juice, uh, lemon, ginger, turmeric. Turmeric, yeah. Uh, pour the hot water on top of it. Big dollop of honey. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw an apple in there. Yeah, boom. Yeah. Use dose of vitamin C and uh, you're feeling a lot better straight away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about the natural, the natural medicine so you mentioned being vegetarian for a bit have you ever considered going plant-based well i i have been i have done it because I, I i eat organic meat so or, or wild meat as well but i don't eat it every day yeah i have a i have a balanced uh diet you know what i mean like yeah and i know plant-based people believe in plant-based but if you live in the conscious universe and then you realize that ev- everything is part part of this conscious universe it's all alive mm. it's all living mm. even if eating plant-based you're still taking life yeah i saw i was in the park um a couple of weeks ago and i just saw this huge pile of discarded christmas trees and i felt proper emotional about it i was like these are all trees that have just been like 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 the equivalent of like um you know factory farm pigs they've been they've been raised to be killed to then be just disused and it was like it made me like Sad, and I had to get a grip on myself. I was like, and he sort it out. Yeah, like, no, no, no matter what you eat, you're taking, you're taking yeah. life, you know what I mean? So it's just but about so doing it responsibly, then, I guess. Yeah, yeah. 
Bez, when you're looking at your family, like you're 56 now, um, you've seen the whole state of the world change. I mean, you are living it in terms of you've you've, you've understood and, and kind of embraced your closeness with nature and how that has enriched you in every way. But like, what what do you feel when you think of your grandkid and your sons like growing up in a world um, as it is now when it comes to the state of the world, like climate change, the environment, like the world is burning. How do you feel about them growing up in the world at the moment? All I can do is advise, advise, tell them things I know. They've got to learn through their own yeah. experience of life as well, you know what I mean? So you can only be a guide and, and there for them. I just hope that uh, no, they, they don't suffer too, because you, you hear so much now about um, no, depression and this mental health thing going on. It's quite prolific, you know what I mean? Yeah. You have uh, highs and lows in life. Mm-hmm. If we had more time and people to, to help out with uh, maybe a bit of counselling, explaining that, no, it gets better with time, you know, yeah. and uh, no help people getting over the some of the problems they have rather than trying to block them out with tablets. Yeah. We need to have a, a, like a review of what we're doing and find out a better way of helping people out through the through these problems. Bez, if you could change anything about your life or the world around you moving forwards, what would it be? Well, I, I won't change anything about my life at all. Cause, um, what a I lovely position I, to be in. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I could change anything about the world, I would try and change that dependency on money mm. and become more community-committed where, where money becomes less important. And with the manpower we've got, use our manpower to better mankind, then I think we'll, we, we'll make the world a better place. Mm. Last question. You say you have a close relationship with your mum and dad now. How do they feel about your life? Are they, are, they, uh, are they proud of you? I can imagine they must be. Well, I don't know. I think they uh, probably think I'm a little mad still, you know what I mean? <laughs> And like some of my views of the world are quite mad, you know what I mean? To, to them, it's quite alien. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we we get on well, and uh, I think uh, they quietly admire that I've lived my life in the the way I've wanted to. You know what I mean? I am caught up in social conditioning, but I try not to. Like I try and live my life the way I like to live it. Yeah. And, and I think they admire that in a way because I I am. I am uh, free. I'm really happy still. I'm still looking for new things to do, new things to make my life better. So, yeah, I think they, like, quietly roll their eyes in the back of their heads sometimes, though. <laughs> but it's funny, like, just getting these little insights into your life, like the, the image of you as a little boy, like, peddling your little thing down the road to your nans and, like, even just, like, you know, the career that you carved out for yourself in music... You've never conformed. You've always just done... You've always just been best. You've just done it your way. Yeah, well, like I say, it's got me into a lot of trouble. It's not been an easy path. I've taken the bad with the good, like I say, you know what I mean? I've had extreme happenings mm. at either end of the scale, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm here now as the man I am now speaking to you. Yeah. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you, Bez. Thank you so much. All right, nice one, Annie. Well, take care. 
Thank you so much to Bez uh, for that conversation. What a guy. And, and it's clear, you know, from the Buzzing with Bez uh, fitness videos and the reaction to everyone is that he's so loved. He's kind of pretty much a national treasure status now when it comes to, to how people feel about him and his resilience uh, and his just kind of commitment to being joyful you know um as i said this episode of changes is sponsored by oatly and if you want to go and find out more about that whole campaign they're doing if you want to tackle your own father or uncle or or if you've got a friend who's kind of an older man who's really stuck in their ways you can go to the website oatly.com slash help dad and you've got loads of stats and tools and tips for how to have those discussions so let us know what you thought of Bez. Tell your friends and family to subscribe for the new season because we've got so many great guests to come. And please do rate and review on Apple Podcasts. I will be back next Monday with the incredibly named Travis Alabanza, a trans performance artist and playwright. Thank you so much for listening as always. This episode was produced by Louise Mason with research from Leila Simone Springer through Rethink Audio. See you next time. Thank you and goodbye.